Hey, everybody, and welcome to Making Sense with Dustin LaMontagne from Research Capital. My name is Bryn Griffiths. Hey, Dustin, how are you doing today? Hey, real good, Bryn. How are you? How's yourself? Fine, thank you. Got to ask, because this one is really kind of blowing up big time, whether it's positive or negative. I guess we'll talk about that. And that is the potential of an Alberta pension plan. Are you getting a lot of questions about this? Because I know the government is getting a lot of reaction and questions. Yeah. And I've had, I've had a lot of clients uh, ask about, you know, and, and maybe some are getting near retirement and they're asking about, uh, you know, what I think about this sort of a move by the, the Alberta government, whether or not APP or Alberta pension plan is a good idea in comparison to CPP because people are, you know, they're used to CPP for the last, whatever, 70 some years and um, right, rightly so they can be a little bit uh, hesitant. So I, I kind of dived into the numbers and, um, you know, just, just uh, looked at the report that was prepared by uh, the, uh, the consulting company. Interestingly, uh, owned by TELUS now, but the consulting company's name is LifeWorks. I think it's a division of TELUS and uh, was started by the family of the old finance minister. So um, you have a a very liberal company providing a very conservative province (laughs) estimates on (laughs) pension numbers to... uh, uh, you know, start their own plan. But are they so, not coming in a little high? Like a lot of people think the number that they're talking about, I think it was like $334 billion seems a little excessive. So I, I, there's a lot of, I don't even know where to start with this one because we're hearing so many different stories from different people. I guess that's going to be up to people to try to figure it out. And people like you, cause you're going to get a million questions and you might not have a million answers, right? Well, it's, it's pretty simple, actually. It's just mathematics, right? So when if, if you know the history of the CPP, it's fairly easy to determine uh, Alberta's contributions over the years and, and what they're entitled to versus what uh, what they've taken out. So Morneau-Chapelle is not a, you know, a fly-by-night organization. They can they, they uh, calculate pension uh, numbers for, you know, probably, uh, you know, 60, 70 percent of of the largest companies uh, in Canada and the federal government as well. So when you're talking about the, the math of the, the matter, $330 billion is half of the present fund, but don't forget the CPP uh, was started in 1966. So by, by charter January 1st, 1966, and for the first 30 years or so of the plan, uh, contributions just went to general government revenue. And so when, when one looks at the $330 billion number at first glance, you say, well, that's half of the, the existing investment portfolio. Yes, but they didn't start investing CPP contributions until December 1997. So if you look at what the fund has grown to from 1997 until present day, uh, 2023, uh, you're talking about a, a period of a, you know, coming on uh, 30 years as well, uh, that fund now is worth about 650, $660 billion. Okay. Had the, um, had the uh, money been, the contributions been invested since 1966, 
I can tell you that instead of $650 billion in that fund, there might well be, you know, two and a half trillion dollars in that fund just because of compounding over time. So when you're talking about 330 billion um, Alberta's share, that takes into account for the first uh, 30 years, those contributions that Alberta made that they would be entitled to. Um, in, in fact, in, in the last uh, 75 years, the estimate is from Morneau Chappelle is that Alberta contributed about $60 billion more to CPP uh, than they've taken out. So that, you know, if, if Alberta is entitled to say, uh, you know, based on population, uh, just using rough numbers, because most people are thinking that way, 10% of the fund, for example, because we're 10% of the Canadian population, approximately, we should only be getting, you know, 65 or $70 billion out of that fund. But the $330 billion number comes from the over contribution and the compounding uh, going back to 1966. So that's all the numbers are. It's just simple mathematics. Um, if the federal government had uh, invested that money wisely for the first 30 years, there'd be trillions of dollars in there. And that's where the $330 billion comes from, which in my estimation would be roughly 15% of the fund had the initial contributions been invested uh, right from the start. Uh, there'd be a lot bigger pool. So if the pool was, you know, $2.5 trillion, 330 billion divided by 2.5 trillion is, you know, more in line around that 13, 14% mark. So, which is not unrealistic, uh, considering, you know, Alberta has been over contributing to CPP and there's a number of reasons for that, right? Um, high incomes, so the higher the income, the, uh, you know, more people hitting that CP maximum threshold uh, combined with the employer contributions uh, and a younger population on average. So which means that, you know, you need to take less out of the fund uh, because you don't have as many old people. So. So I have to ask you and let's bring it to people who would contact you. Let's let's talk about that for a second. Do you find that people are nervous, scared, or just I'm more inquisitive and wide open to hearing everything before I would make an assessment? But what are you kind of hearing from people without getting too specific? Because I know you also have to be careful of what you say, but is there one common thing you're hearing from people? I think people just want to know, you know, the nuts and bolts about, uh, you know, what what is planned. So they're they're more from from a, a hesitant standpoint. I, I think people are always reluctant to change when they're used to something, right? It's yeah. the old uh, comfortable shoe mentality. Um, but when when you look at the numbers, it's pretty compelling. I mean, uh, let, let's just say you kept the contributions the same. So in in CPP right now, uh, max an individual is is required to contribute is thirty seven hundred fifty dollars. Uh, their employer has to contribute that as well. So times it by two, so seventy five hundred bucks a year. Okay, going into those plans. Okay, now. If that was an Alberta pension plan based on our demographics, uh, if, if you just kept the contributions consistent, the rudimentary math that I do and, and what I read in the Chappelle is that you'd probably increase your uh, take home by about 25% under an Alberta plan, which, which is huge. 
the the maximum you know is thirteen hundred dollars uh, that you get off CPP thirteen hundred six dollars in twenty twenty three. Uh, you're talking you know getting nearly seventeen hundred dollars under under an Alberta plan. Uh, so that's almost five grand a year uh, that a person could get uh, just keeping the contributions the same. So uh, I think if you just wanted to to stick with CPP numbers, the estimate is that every Alberta can shave their CPP contribution from $3,750 by about $1,425. So uh, if if you times that by two, you'd save $2,850, which would be, you know, as opposed to $7,500 per person, you're talking about uh, $4,850. Uh, which is a huge savings if you compound that across the working population of Alberta, right? So what what I'm uh, sensing though here is that people are nervous because one, they don't think they're getting all the information. I know you're going to find this one hard to believe. They don't trust any level of government. And there's also some people who have moved here from other provinces who've already paid into the Canadian plan who are wondering, well, if I lived in Saskatchewan for 25 years, is that even going to follow me or am I starting from scratch? There's so many questions, and yet I just don't know if the proper messaging is getting out. I know for you, it means a lot of reading, right? Yeah, and what you're talking about there is a concept called portability. And, you know, this is not new. Quebec has had a pension plan inside Canada, uh, which basically mimics the uh, the CPP, uh, you know, since inception. So Quebec has, has funded their own p- plan as managed by the case, um, which is, the you know, manages all the government pensions in, in Quebec. Uh, and they, they've been quite successful with their pension plan, not so much from a return perspective. I think it's been mediocre from that perspective, but what, what's it allowed them to do is, um, support Quebec based industries, which I think is very smart on their part. And it gives them a little more pull, I think, inside Confederation. So, um, you know, Quebec has been, uh, fairly successful at taking a lot of their industries and incubating them into growth industries. Um, even though Quebec is not the most productive province and certainly doesn't have the most dynamic economy, there's no doubt that the Quebec pension plan provides them a level of uh, flexibility, uh, over any other province when it comes to supporting their, their industries. I mean, you just have to look at Bombardier as an example of that. Yes, absolutely. How serious do you think the provincial government is? I know that it, that it would go to a vote. Is that a binding vote? Have you? I, I I've been looking that up. I can't seem to find anything on that. Like whether well, or not- I, I think that any any referendum that the province would do if it was a majority, they could make that binding, right? Sure. But um, as as far as I can tell from the polling, uh, leaving CPP and creating an Alberta pension plan is not an overly popular idea at right. the moment. Yeah. But I think it's also a very new idea, and it's uh, it's an idea that uh, you know not a lot of people know the 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 backstory or or enough information on it. So it's up to the province if they really want to go down this path to to start the process of education and um, you know b- banging the drums on why this is a great idea. I, I for one, you know, I'm mathematically inclined, so I just look at the numbers and say, yeah, it's a no brainer. Um, you know, from, from a math perspective, reduce your, your premiums, uh, by, you know, almost a third and keep your, your payment the same. Well, that, that's a pretty, pretty easy math. And, and any, anybody can look at that and go, yeah, that's a great deal for, for the average Albertan. 
right? Portability-wise, I think that Quebec has that figured out. They've just had cross agreements with different provincial jurisdictions, right? So uh, that's not an issue. I think that uh, that wheel has already been invented. So if you're moving between provinces, you can port your pension and so forth. Um, but to, to me, the, the biggest uh, the biggest benefit with that was would be uh, to an Alberta pension plan is that we can start supporting some of our primary industries. Um, you know, the, the federal government and they, they've made no, uh, they haven't actually been subtle about it. They've been, you know, uh, tr- trying to, uh, beat down Alberta's main industry, oil and gas since they got in, in 2015, every right. piece of legislation they've crafted has, uh, has been designed to stymie the Alberta oil and gas industry. So, um, which doesn't make any sense because the whole country benefits from a strong Alberta oil and gas industry. I mean, if you want to talk about the uh, the medical care system or education or, or what have you, uh, you know, the a, a strong strong primary resource industry, uh, including oil and gas, funds the, uh, you know our fundamental core programs. So when when you talk about uh, an Alberta pension plan, I think it's just a great endeavor, and I'm I'm in full support of it. Um, now, w- whether it ever comes to fruition yeah. uh, is another story. But it, it it's it's getting uh, it's getting the conversation going anyway. Um, I, I for one. Uh, you know, can look at the math and go, wow, what a, what a great plan that would be. Um, but, but do you, you know, think, do just, you think that with the prime minister stepping up and even the conservative leader stepping up and saying, uh, Alberta, don't do it, don't do it seems to be, uh, steering some Albertans in the direction that if those guys think it's a bad idea, it's got to be a great idea. There's the politics of it as well, but uh, we don't want to get into that. We're a financial type of uh, podcast, but, but you can't, you can't look at this situation and not recognize this is an opportunity for people to flex their muscles too, right? Yeah, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, obviously if Alberta pulls out, it's maybe a little bit of a negative for the, the rest of Canada because we, we've been over-contributing for years, you know, to the tune of, again, I'll repeat that, $60 billion. It's a massive amount of money. So um, it, it's maybe not, uh, you know, friendly, overly friendly to our other provincial partners. Um, but, you know, no, nobody said, I don't hear the, I don't hear the politicians, uh, you know, lambasting Quebec for having their own plan yeah. and that they've had their own plan since 1966. So um, I think if Alberta wants to go down this path, they have every right to. I think the only stipulation is that they have to give a one year notice. The plan has to be, the framework has to be in place a year before they, they decide to, to pull out. Now the, the main uh, wrangling will be over what's the value of Alberta's previous contributions to the plan, right? Yeah. Of that, $650 billion fund. What does Alberta uh, get to take out of there? Um, you know, obviously it can't be detri- detrimental to the other provinces, but the federal government will have to pony up the difference. They're the ones that got the, the money to begin with. If somebody has a question, and I'm guessing a few have already had questions about this, how do they get a hold of you? Hey, you can give me a call on my cell phone. It's uh, 780-905-7729, or you can email me at dlamontang at researchcapital.com. I have a feeling we'll be talking about this one for a while, but thanks for your time today. Thanks, Bryn. Okay, well, that's it for today. We'll have more helpful hints coming your way on our next episode. 
Don't forget all opinions expressed are solely Dustin's and do not reflect those of Research Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Research Capital may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Thanks for listening to Making Sense. Have yourself a great day.